Do you own a service business? If so, you may want to pay attention. This is the Pivot Ready Business System by Birdflow. We've helped hundreds of small service businesses grow and become highly successful. Elevate your opportunities, profits, and time freedom. Visit www.birdflow.com podcast to claim your free video to learn more. You're just minutes away from learning how to transform your service business in your life. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Under Pressure Podcast. My name is John McDaniel. Uh, here on the Under Pressure Podcast, you know we're going to talk business and everything under pressure. Today, I've got a special guest. We met at the QDS conference in New Orleans. Uh, just, what has it been? A couple of weeks now, I guess. Uh, back to life. His name is Kevin Vadreen. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Appreciate the invite. Awesome. So Kevin, uh, Kevin's been married for 29 years, which I, I, I wanted to say that right off the bat. He sent me a bio on this, and I, I just wanted to immediately say that is awesome. So congratulations to you and your wife. That is a long time. That is fantastic. So two daughters, uh, I believe one that just graduated um, and both attending the University of uh, Louisiana in the fall. Uh, U.S. Air Force veteran. Thank you for your service, Kevin previous mortgage broker. And since 2007, he's been in the lawn service business uh, with a franchise. And I think that started, you said, in uh, Scott's Lawn Service. And then 2016, True Green come in and bought that out. And uh, obviously, you still own the franchise. Now you operate five of those in Louisiana and Texas. And you're a pilot. That is really cool because I really want to get my pilot's license. So we might have to have a conversation around that. Uh, and also enjoy hunting in Colorado and Louisiana. So uh, we're already going to be friends. I was born in Louisiana and I'm in Colorado as often as I can possibly be. So <laughs> welcome, Kevin. Thank Man. you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no, this is uh, fantastic. So um, since I've been doing this podcast, I haven't actually been able to talk to, to anyone that is, has done like the franchise, uh, side of things, which, uh, is, is really cool. It's a, it's a new perspective and a different perspective there. So I wanted to, to dive into that, but before that, like, let's, let's talk about you, Kevin, man, like you're, you did, you've done some cool stuff. you got a great family. Um, what's your story? Where did you grow up? Yeah, so um, I grew up in uh, in southern Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, Lafayette's a town of about 200,000 people. Um, I am uh, about to be 50 in October. And so, um, yeah, I grew up just a normal dude. Um, um, went to Cadena High School in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, shortly after high school, I uh, joined the Air Force. Um, joined the Air Force, went to basic training uh, school in Wichita Falls. And... Uh, I was not married at the time. Picked off to when I got orders. Um, was unsure where I was going to go for quite a while. While I was in school in Wichita Falls, so one day I was walking by the wall where they posted our assignments, and I, I saw that I was going to Kadena Air Force Base. So quickly looked that up and found out that it was in Okinawa, Japan. And then I had to look up where that was because I had no idea what Okinawa was. So just quickly called my girlfriend at the time and said I was going to Okinawa, Japan. 
And then uh, at that point, she was like, uh, okay, so what are we gonna do now? So I said, um, why don't we get married next weekend? Because if you want to come with me, we have to get married really quick. So um, yeah. I asked her to marry me on the payphone while I was at school in Wichita Falls. <laughs> um, got married and um, off we went to Okinawa in October of 1994. So we were stationed there for three years, um, decided that we we're going to move back to the States. And I was stationed at Eglin Air Force Base in Portland for the rest of my time in the Air Force. Um, got out in 98, um, went back to college, finished school. Uh, another two years of college, and I finished college at uh, University of Louisiana at Lafayette. It was USL at the time. Um, worked at a couple of different companies and became a mortgage broker. So I did that for, I think I was a mortgage broker for like seven years. Wow. And then um, became a customer of Scott's Loan Service when I bought my current house back in 2005-ish, I guess. And then um, I was a customer for a while, and the guy that owned it was a friend of mine from middle school. Um, and one day he told me, hey, I'm trying to sell Scott's Loan Service. So me and my partner opened a, a transportation business. So um, had no idea what lawn care was, didn't know much about other than just being a customer, didn't know anything about it. Uh, so I worked for a few months to try to find some funding to buy that business and finally was successful. Um, bought the business in 2007. Um, at that time, it was less than a $100,000 business. Um, so then fast forward to um, a few years down the road, I was able to buy two new locations. And then um, we got those going. And um, we fast forward a couple more years and Scott's lawn service, the lawn service portion of Scott's got sold to True Green. And so that's how it became True Green Franchises. And then uh, since then, we've added a couple of new locations. So totally, so now we're in, we're in five locations. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'll, I'm going to back up here. So, you know, I, I actually live about, uh, oh, I can, I can be in Wichita Falls in a very short amount of time. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Weatherford. So it's, it's a quick, uh, quick trip over there. And uh, I've spent a little time over there, so that's that's funny that you. Uh, yeah, I know exactly where you're at. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly where you're at. So uh, all of this, all this stuff you've gone through, and and growing up there in Louisiana. So you returned to Louisiana um, after Air Force and and went back to college. So did you? You know, a lot of people they'll venture off and they're man, they they don't want to go anywhere close to, to where they grew up and they end up somewhere else. Uh, what was the desire to go back to Louisiana? Man, you know, I, I still, I still wonder that to this day, you know, that that was obviously, uh, many years ago, 1998, we moved back and, um, I was just young, just young and kind of wanting to move back home in hindsight. Now that I'm older, you know, my wife and I are like, well, number one, I second guess um, the getting out of the Air Force of, in the first place, because now that I'm, you know, that was 1994. So in another year, um, I could be retiring 30 years in the Air Force and have a great retirement. Um, I have a couple of buddies that I was in that, that I was in with that stayed in. Um, they retired at, at uh, 20 years. Um, and 
the fact that you know we could tr now we're trying hard to travel as adults and obviously you know how much that costs so um yeah. could have traveled a lot in the air force so i regret that decision sometimes getting out and um but what what caused me to move back to louisiana again it was something that uh we just decided we were just young and yeah. um, at the time was living in destin florida Oh, wow. And moved <laughs> home from Destin, Florida. That's where I was stationed. And now look at it. It's just a, a thriving, you know, great tropical place. And coincidentally, we have a condo not far from there now. So we try hard to, as, as best as we can to get to the beach when back then I was living at the beach and could still be living at the beach if we had stayed there. But, you know, no, you know, no regrets. It's just one yeah. of the choices we made in life. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's one of those things. They say you appreciate places a lot more when you don't live there, right? So you can you get to go to these other places. If you'd lived there, you probably have just taken for granted. So that's uh -huh. that's cool though. Like back home, probably closer to family and all that. And uh, a lot of people are are kind of doing that. And I, I've stuck around Texas, but I've kind of moved around a little bit. But uh, so uh, you you were mortgage broker. You you, you knew these guys selling this this franchise. Tell me about like why, why did you decide? I mean, what ma really made you decide to pick that up and purchase that business? Yeah, so um, it's a thing where you know I'm sure you've run across across a lot of people that would love their own business, and I was kind of in the same position. I wanted my own business, didn't know what to do, uh, didn't know how to start it. I, mean, I kind of contemplated starting an own, my own mortgage business. Um, coincidentally, right when I left, shortly after I left, the whole 2008 housing crisis started. So I think I got out at a good time. Um, and um, I, you know, I just wanted my own business. And this opportunity came along and I just jumped on it. Um, I was, and I, I really did it very blindly, uh, not knowing what the future would hold. I left a, a, a decent paying job to become a you know a, a business owner and had no idea what the future would hold but fortunately it, it worked out yeah yeah sounds like it's worked out great um so the franchise side of this um and i mean i, I i've honestly kind of looked at some franchises on on different levels gyms and you know mm -hmm. different things like that i've, I've kind of looked at it um what, what is the process? I know someone else kind of had this and it sounded like they moved off into another business, but what was the process like to take over and, and actually take over that franchise? Like, was there a specific amount that you had to, to come in with, uh, to buy them out and how did the franchise handle that as far as what, what was that process like? That was actually pretty simple. Um, like I said, at that time it was Scott's on service. Um, basically I just bought the business from the, the owners for a set amount and, um, it, it was a pretty simple process. They just transferred all the franchise, um, agreements over to me and I signed new contracts, franchise contracts with Scott's Loan Service at that time. So it was a pretty simple process. Nice. I don't know a whole lot of, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of different variations of what different franchisees require to become a franchisor. Um, but for me, it was a pretty simple process. Nice. Uh, was that something that you had to, because there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast and some of these guys are, 
you know, they may be working for a lawn care company or they may be wanting to start their own company or they may be working for power washers or window cleaners or we've got a lot of variety plumbers in the audience. So uh, as far as the logistics of some of that, did you guys, did they work up the paperwork to get those transfers done? Did y'all get an attorney involved in that? How did that work on that side? Yeah, no, I, I didn't deal with an attorney at all. Just, just okay. um, me and the seller just had the, the seller had the seller uh, put together some documentation for the sale of the business and um, you know the, the franchise, uh, the franchisor Scotts. They they put together all the transfer paperwork and you know obviously had they have a director of franchising and he did all that. So nice. and they had, you know, obviously all these companies has, has legal, uh, you know, lawyers on staff, so they do all that. So fantastic. There's a lot of paperwork that goes along with being uh, with the franchise contracts. There's a there's a lot of disclosures that they have to disclose uh, according to the um, uh, the uh, um, I'm say the department, not the Department of Labor. My, my my memory fails me at the moment. At the moment, as to uh, they have to uh, the the government entity that they have to satisfy on that. I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But okay, you know. yeah, and I'm sure uh, it's there's a, federal a lot. Trade federal trades. I think the Federal Trade Commission regulates franchises. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. I'm certain there's obviously like um, you you pay certain fees for the use of their name and their branding to the company, like. Is that monthly, yearly? How do they? How does that work with? Uh, yeah, most course, now I know it's triggering. Yeah, most franchises you pay royalties, um, and it's a typically uh, most franchises, as I understand, um, you pay a percentage of your revenue toward um, you know for for being a true a franchisee of of that franchise system. Nice. Yeah. So. Um, do you think, I mean, and you may know this now, you may not because you haven't gone through the other side of it, but do you think the franchise side, do you think because they had kind of a system set up where they, you know, people could become a part of that and be a part, do you think that made it easier to step into that business as opposed to maybe just trying to start it yourself? 100%. 100%. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, when, for me, when I got into this, I had no uh, lawn care. You know, we're we're chemical applicators, right? We do, um, you know, we're we're on the lawn care side, where you know we bought we do lawn treatments, fertilizing, treat for weeds, insects, disease, mosquitoes, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we don't do any grass cutting or landscaping. Um, so I, I see very frequently um, you follow different. Um, groups of people, Facebook groups, lawn care, Facebook groups. Um, there's a lot of people that get into this business and and just fail at it because there yeah. is a learning curve. Um, we 100% um, have an advantage by being a franchisor of a, of a, of a company because you have, um, you know, any franchise, you can say that about any franchise, you know, if you're opening a, a hamburger a hamburger shop, um, obviously, if you're a McDonald's, you're going to be better off than 
if you're an independent dude opening a hamburger shop, right? Sure. Um, you have all the systems, all the everything that you have the roadmap. So yeah. you're definitely in a better position if you're a part of a franchise that's been doing it for a while. Nice. Uh, so did you have to do like personally, like quite a bit of research a little bit about, okay, what, what am I doing here? What are we going out and doing? I mean, did you pick up the employees? Did the employees that he had stick around or did you have to start scrambling and get out there yourself or how'd that work for you? My employee trained me. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. One, one dude in a van and, uh, we, 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 uh, we, I was trained by that employee That's and awesome. uh, you know, it took me a little bit to, to figure it out. But, um, you know, a couple of, couple of seasons, you started to, I was just like any new employee that we have now. You know, it took me a couple of seasons to go through the, um, the winter and the summer and, and what, what we do during the winter, what we do in the summer. And, and it took me a little while to figure it out, but, um, you know, obviously years go by and you, know, you just learn more and more. And, um, and as we continue to grow as, you know, you know, as you continue to grow, there's new challenges every day. Yeah. Um, and tomorrow I'm sure there'll be different challenges that we had today. Um, just kind of, uh, on the job training, OJT, you know, so. <laughs> absolutely. I know how that feels. That's, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> so, um, so how, how many jobs did you obviously in the beginning? So now you're getting trained by your employee, which is, which is cool. That's, that's a great way to build that relationship too. But, but you're pretty much wearing all the hats at that point, right? Like you're the, the owner, you're a tech, you're, uh, probably doing the books and, and doing all this stuff. Um, how long was it before you were able to start picking up momentum as far as maybe hiring someone to kind of do the operations or, or different roles like that? Yeah. So I, when we first started, um, you know, I had a tech and um, we added a couple of locations in uh we bought the business in 2007 In 2015, we added a couple of new locations. And so that's when we, you know, I had hired a, a couple of new guys. Um, but, uh, and then you fast forward, we became part of True Green in 2016. And then we bought another, another location in 2017. Um, and so at that time, just still trying to pick our way through trying to figure this thing out and, and figure out how we're going to grow. Um, but we really picked up steam when we became part of True Green. Nice. It was a whole different um, atmosphere. Um, it was a whole different setup. Uh, it was a whole different group of people that we collaborated with all the other um, True Green franchisors. Um, and then the second thing that kind of propelled us is when I hired who, the lady that is now my office manager and who is now a partner in my business. Um, I, I realized, you know, I thought I was good at, at handling money, but now I know that I suck at it. <laughs> That's started, all right. Yeah. She started work and now I can't think of it at the exact date, but she's been with us, I think nine years. So 2014. Yeah. So she was part of, she was with us before we became true green and she was there whenever we bought our, our Alexandria, Louisiana business. She was there when we became part of true green, but um, that really started to propel me because she just relieved a lot of the 
uh, burden of all the bookkeeping for me. And she had worked for several companies that were much larger than us. Um, and then when we became part of True Green, um, that just because we learned a lot about marketing and advertising and selling when we started hanging out with all those guys in the True Green yeah. group. And um, that's when our, our sales started to really pick up. That's cool. It's amazing what uh, getting some of the right people in those places can can really change. That's one of the things, as you probably now know, we really, really try to teach on it with the bird flow is um, getting those right people in the right places. It can totally change your company and change your world right. uh, when you surround yourself with the right people. So that's that's really cool. I'm glad she's uh, she's there and and a part of part of what you guys are doing. Yep. <clears throat> So let's, let's shift into this, this hiring idea. Uh, in your opinion now with post or, uh, post pandemic, we're, we're out of the woods, out of this thing. Um, do you think just in the culture, uh, and, and specifically in the lawn care, but in general, what is your thoughts around hiring and how like retention rate and what, how is that looking for you guys? Is it hard? Because we're seeing a lot of that in a lot of different industries are really struggling. What do you guys think about that? I think, I think all the service businesses are all struggling. Um, we definitely saw a huge, um, uh, you know, it, it, the, the challenge in hiring people, has always been there, right? That's a difficult thing, but hiring good people, I should say. Um, but after the pandemic, it, it became especially hard. Um, and we didn't start to struggle with that until um, I guess 2021. Um, it, it, there was there was a period of time where I was hearing a lot of people that were struggling and, and I kept saying, no, you know, we're, we're pretty good, we're doing okay. And then gradually, it just, it just hit us. You know, there was a time where um, we, we lost 50% of our technicians in a branch one, at one time, and it was a real struggle to get the work done um, while all the while trying to hire and train new technicians. And it, it felt like for a, a pretty long period of time, we were constantly losing people and just, it was almost like a revolving door. Um, knock on wood, um, you know, we have a couple of new guys in one of our branches right now. Um, all the staff that we have currently has been with us. And, you know, whenever we say I've been with us for a while, a while is not really a long time, you know, right. um, a, a while, maybe a year, you know, because I, I, I don't know what the, the, the average tenure of a technician is most service businesses, but if we're keeping guys for a couple of years, you know, I would say that that's a success. You know, I do have several guys that would have been with us for, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 years, but it's a small percentage of our entire staff. Right. Technician. Yeah. Most of my management team and uh, they've been with us for, for quite some time. Nice. Yeah, it's it seems to be a struggle across the board, and uh, you know, it, what do you do? There's and, and so finding solutions to that, and really um, finding creative ways to uh, motivate and 
attract that, you know, those guys that really want to come in and, and be a part of your company and, and your culture uh, is, is, it's a struggle for so many, but uh, finding really ways is. to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, you have to go through, you know, just an enormous amount of people to find anybody that um, you feel like is worthy of representing your company. Yeah. So technicians are the face of the company. So, you know, you really have to make a good choice when you're hiring somebody. Otherwise you have, um, you know, people that you don't want to represent your company out there being the face of it. Yeah. That's really important. How they, how they show up and how they're, you know, how they're presenting you guys as a, as a company and, um, and customer satisfaction, obviously clearly retaining those customers is, is, uh, important for all of our businesses uh so that yeah that's that's key you gotta you gotta be able to get out there and and uh, represent professionally and and get the job done well so what's what's the biggest one of the biggest struggles um you think is is being like a franchisee or just an entrepreneur in general since you started that journey what do you think one of the biggest struggles have been for you (laughs) Um, I would say that, you know, over the last, over the last couple of, over the last couple of years, I guess, um, I've really kind of, um, honed in on a vision for my company and, and kind of know what direction I want, you know, where I want to take my company. Um, you know, we have aspirations to add a couple more locations. Um, we have aspirations to continue to grow. Um, we have aspirations to um, make it a, a, a pretty low-key place to work. Um, you know, our, our company policies are pretty laxed, and most people are pretty comfortable working here. Um, but the challenge is that I've had over the last couple of years is I know what the systems I want to put in place, but it's been very difficult to get those simple, those systems to be followed every day. Yeah. Um, you know, some days, you know, those, the systems that we put in place, because I, mean, I tell a lot, a lot, everybody that works in this company that we need to um, the systems today um, that we need for three or four years on the road. You know, I tell people that we have double the number of customers and double the number of technicians that we have today. That's how we want to run our business, as if it were twice or three times the size as it is today, because that's where I want to go. Um, double, you know, I'd, I'd like to triple triple our business. And... Um, it's been difficult to get everyone to follow those systems every day. Um, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd say that that's my biggest challenge. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wants pushback. It's always hard too. like when you start really getting that momentum and you get pretty pumped and you got the vision and the goals are set out and then really getting people to buy in on that, you know, that that's uh that's another one of those struggles. So hearing it from you, I'm, I'm hearing it from a lot of guys and 
a lot of ladies that are are in business. Um, but that's natural, right? I guess to some extent, it's so hard uh, wanting to, but you can't micromanage. You know, you 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 get you get your fingers in it too much, and then everybody gets ticked off. And you know, what what do you do? <laughs> you gotta you gotta let them go, and and uh, just just really try to encourage and and hope that they're gonna they're gonna do the follow the system, pick up on it, and uh, do what do what's right. And, but that's uh, like you said, I guess that's, that's probably a bigger. That is probably a bigger challenge is to not dive in. You know, I just yeah. listened to your podcast of uh, the difference between working in and on your business. And that's a big challenge for me. Here, here's the other side is that I was in the Air Force and in the Air Force, it's this is what you're going to do no matter what. Right. There's yeah. no there's no there's no plan B. This is this is it. That's your only choice. Right. Or, you know, I worked on fighter jets. So it's perfection every single day or somebody's going to die. Right. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm, pre I'm a very, very detailed guy, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and you have to be, I, I just, I, growing up, my, my, I, my father um, was very, very mechanically inclined. So I learned to do a lot of things growing up. Um, from carpentry to mechanic work to plumbing to you know, electrical, you know, I'm, I guess a uh, 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 jack of all trades, but master of none, you know. Um, <laughs> but so I'm, I'm pretty um, type A, so it's very hard for me not to dive in and work in my business every day, especially when I'm sitting in my office and I hear things all around me going on. So sometimes I turn my music on in my office so I don't hear things going on around me. Yeah, I can stay focused on the big picture. That's good. It's got to be done. Uh, I'm I'm like you. I, you know, law enforcement. You didn't. If you made mistakes, especially SWAT operations and different things like that, something bad could go wrong. So you really had to focus. You really had to know your task, what needed to be done, how it needed to be done, and why, and mm -hmm. then sticking to the plan <clears throat> and and doing it correctly. Otherwise, you know someone doesn't potentially doesn't go home and, and that's not a good thing. So I completely understand <laughs> that viewpoint and it is, it is hard, right? Like, uh, I mean, I'm not even a business owner, but there are times I still, you know, want, I still want that control over certain things that honestly, in, some, in a lot of ways I can't, but, uh, you know, like that podcast talked about, like you've got to have that time to really work on your business and trust that the systems are going to work. Um, but no, I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult, Kevin. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I like everyone to know, like some, a couple questions I always ask. So if you said like one big thing, like an essential must, something that, that to start, like starting out a business, whether it's a franchise, um, or, or someone starting out early on. What is like a should do, like as early as you can do it? In your opinion, what do you think a business owner, entrepreneur starting something should do as early as possible? Some lesson that you've learned. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the first things that comes to mind is, um, and, uh, and I've heard y'all say it on, on a couple of podcasts, Generally, when a guy starts a business, 
Um, he's the dude, right? He's doing wearing all the hats. Um, I, I think that you know, working, you know, getting a mentor, somebody that's done it, is a great idea. Um, and, and just kind of figuring out a roadmap. Yeah. Getting the help from a mentor to put together a roadmap instead of just trying to figure it out. Because I'm going to tell you, I wasted a lot of years not knowing, not having that roadmap. And there was probably, probably from 2007 to, you know, 2000, I'd say 16. So there was a good nine years that I feel like that if, if, if I was, um, had that roadmap and if I knew what I know now, when I started out, I'd be much further down the road. Um, the other thing is there's, there's so many businesses that I hear that, you know, just hire somebody and just, Hey, I'm just going to pay you cash. Um, you know, I think that's a terrible idea. You know, we lose a couple of technicians every once in a while that say, I'm going to work down the road. This guy's paying me cash. Well, that's fine for that. That, that dude thinks that that's a good idea. But I've seen a lot of people get into financial binds whenever they start filing tax returns or you know, trying to buy a house. And they've been paying, I was mortgage brokers. So people get paid cash and they say, I want to buy a house. I'm like, well, you can't prove any income. So um, you know, you've been working for cash for 10 years and now you can't prove how much money you made over the last 10 years. And that's bad for the employer too. Right? Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that run your business the way a business is supposed to be ran by, by <clears throat> other rules. And, you know, there were some things that I did back then that I did because, um, you know, it was, I, you know, struggled financially for some years um, and did what you have to do. You know, I operated, sure. um, you know, there was a time that you know, I let my insurance lapse for a while and I was trying to figure out how that, how I was going to pay for it. But yeah. you know, I had a big contract that said, Hey, give me your insurance. So, we want to get that back in place. And so, yeah, you just got to do what you got to do sometimes, but operate your business the right way. Yeah, we we really uh, try to tell, especially newer business, most of the more established business owners that we work with, they've they've kind of like you have, have kind of figured out, hey, I've got to do this stuff right. But you're absolutely right, especially on this tax side. I mean, all of it you're correct about, and it's great advice. Um, but that I'm telling you, man, that getting those books and operating them like they're supposed to be operated and paying what you're supposed to pay to keep yourself out of trouble, uh, and for the employees too, that that's really, really fantastic advice. Right. Amazing. So what, what about, uh, what about an avoid? I mean, there's some of this is kind of mixed in there a little bit, but what, what's something you, you would you would say to some guys or some, some ladies like avoid this, don't do this. <laughs> uh, uh, another lesson that maybe you've learned. Hmm. Um, you know, I, um, not, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you know, one of the things that one of the principles that I live by is that, uh, cheap isn't good and good isn't cheap. <laughs> so it's not always the best policy. You know, I, I realize that again, you know, I've had to do it for many a times, but we're fortunate now to be able to have a great fleet of trucks. We have, you know, a lot of new trucks. Um, 
but cheaper is not always better. Um, you know, make sure you get good equipment to start with, maintain your equipment well, um, because your business is only as good as the equipment and the people that you have running it. Um, make sure you get it. Don't skimp on a CPA is another one. I see a lot of people that try to do their books themselves. And you know, I see a lot of questions being asked online about, you know, can I deduct this and kind of deduct that? Don't go to Facebook asking this question. <laughs> you know, don't ask tax advice on a lawn care group on Facebook. You know, <laughs> I get a CPA, the, yeah. the money that it's going to cost you, I promise you're going to save in taxes. So, um, you know, don't skimp on pertinent things and don't try to do it all. Um, hire a CPA for your taxes. Um, you know, hire professionals to do things that you don't know how to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice too. I'll tell you, I, 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 like I said, I don't own a business. Um, uh, I did for a short period of time, but even before that, and even now I can do my taxes if I want, but I don't yeah. just be, because I, I'm not, I'm not a tax professional. I, I, I'm not a CPA. I don't do that for a living. Just like I don't cut my, my own hair. Right? I, I, I pay someone to come and weed and spray my lawn because these are things that I don't do. So, right. <laughs> so hire. Yes, absolutely. Like don't do this stuff yourself, guys. Like if you're not going to give yourself a haircut cause you don't know how to cut hair, don't, don't do your own taxes. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. And you know, the same thing could be said for, you know, a lot of people, uh, again, another thing that a lot of people, if, if you're looking to aggressively grow your business, a lot of people are out there just like the guys asking tax advice on Facebook a lot of guys are asking, hey, how does this Google work? How does that get a marketing guy? You know, you can you can hire people just to do some paid ads. You can, you know, attend some uh, get get some help on how to create your Google business profiles and um, make sure that that's all done the right way. Don't the, the money I, I just alluded to how I lost many years because uh, I was trying to do everything myself. You know, if I would had a marketing guy doing Google paid ads and all those things back when I started in 2007, I'd be way ahead of where I am now. You know, I lost eight or nine years because I just wasn't doing that stuff because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know. Um, so attending seminar, you know, we were at the conference the other day. Mm. I had never heard of that con that company that put on that conference, but right. I went to it and I, I did learn stuff. You know, we spent, you know, two days and a lot of money to attend that. Um, but you pick up on little things. Yeah. Little, I, I try to go to a lot of different conferences um, outside of the normal stuff that we do already. And um, you always pick up something. Yeah. Uh, and that's great advice too, for these guys that uh, there's a lot of people that hesitate to, to take that advice and to go and find these things and invest in yourself, invest in your employees, you know, and, yeah, especially yourself on on learning, like you're saying, like it it is it is vital. And we go and speak at those conferences, but I love attending because I always learn not only from all the other speakers, but I usually end up learning from talking to like sitting at, at the bar and talking to Kevin or whoever it is I get to, to talk to. I'm still learning from people and growing. And, and that's what this journey is all about. Growth, learning and and. Kicking that ego a little, 
uh, off to the side, you know, and absorbing what we can from who we can. Uh, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, Kevin, um, any final thoughts for the, for the group out here listening uh, on the show today? Um, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, always learning is, and always just trying to, 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 to pick up nuggets information on how to continue to grow your business and, and doing things different. Um, I'm always, I'm all, I'm never, one of the things that I see a lot of people uh, say is that I, I, I don't like change and that's terrible, terrible yeah. advice, not changing. I like change a lot, especially in my business. I like things to constantly be evolving. Um, over the last few years, we've tried hard to embrace as much technology and automation in our business, and we're still not there yet. There's still a lot of things that um, we want to do, um, but we, um, we're we working with software companies to try to better. Um, so we're trying to make things as easy and automated and fast and efficient as possible. So that's kind of my goal on, on growth. Um, we're trying to grow our business and, and keep it as simple as possible. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do to overcomplicate it. Yeah. We're, trying not to, we're trying not to go down that road. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just keep growing. I'm not a big reader. Um, you, know, you hear a lot of business owners say read books and, you know, Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and those guys read thousands of books. And I'm just not a reader. I don't, right. I don't know how, if I if I sit down with a book in bed, I'm I'm asleep in two minutes. <laughs> um, but what I do do is I like to go to conferences and listen to people speak. Like we listened to you speak a couple weeks ago in New Orleans. That's what I like to do. Um, yeah. If I listen to a book, it's an audio book. But yeah, just just always try to be evolving, I guess, and learning from other people in the industry. There's a lot of people out there that are more than willing to share. Um, what they do and how they do it. And I'm an open book and I'll tell you anything. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my, that's my, that's my spiel. That's good, man. Those are some, some solid gems for everybody out there. And that's, that's why I wanted to have you on the show. Uh, so, and that's what you're doing right here. Cause you're the, these topics, these things we're talking about, there are people out there listening and they need this information uh, and we want them to have it and they can have it free. All I got to do is go on and listen. So all you guys out there, ladies out there, business owners, leaders, te technicians, like, hit, hit like, subscribe, uh, share this podcast. And uh, and then if you're in uh, the areas in, in Louisiana, let's see. What, what? It's... Uh, where are the specific locations? Tell us, Kevin. We're in uh, we're in Shreveport. We're in Shreveport. Alexandria. We're in Lafayette, Lake Charles, and we're also in Corpus Christi, Texas. Fantastic. So if you guys out there need some lawn care provision, you've got to call Kevin at True Green. Anywhere close to those areas or the areas that he services, give him a call. Uh, they're out there working their butts off. So you guys know you don't want to spray your lawn. I don't want to spray my lawn. Let these guys come out and do that for you. So, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, maybe in the future when you get some more of these locations up here pretty quick, because we know that's going to be happening, we'll have you back on and we'll discuss a little bit more on the expansion. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. Great. Thank you, John. It was a pleasure being on your podcast. I appreciate it. Everyone out there listening, thank you so much. 
And come back and hear us next time for the Under Pressure podcast, where we talk about all things business and under pressure.